0: James is, James is laughing in the front row because uh, in the first gathering, Lorelei, my wife, she, she's so helpful. She's such a servant. <laughs> this leg was this side, and she was worried I was going to trip over it and not be able to preach. And so uh, that's why James is laughing. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, if we've never met, my name is Vaughn, and I'm one of the pastors here at City. If you're visiting with us, good to have you with us. Welcome to all the Impact uh, Africa guys. Welcome to everybody joining us online. Uh, So good to to have you with us. Can I just say we have had the most incredible two weeks in church. As we've gathered together, as we've praised Jesus, encouraged each other, prayed for each other, um, heard from God's Word, He has been doing something really significant in our hearts uh, for this year. And so uh, we, as Simon said, we are in the book of Acts. And we're going to be looking at this book of Acts over the course of this year. And we're in a series that we've simply just called Revival. And uh, if you missed either of the last two weeks, can I really encourage you to get onto YouTube and catch up? It feels that important to me that God has been doing something really specific in our hearts. He's saying something really specific And he is wanting to shape us. He's wanting to cultivate our hearts because he is not wanting us to just be followers of his this year. He's wanting us to be uh, witnesses of his this year. He is wanting to use your life, my life, for his glory. I don't know why he would want to use us. I think we mess it up so often. We heard about that last last week uh, that God doesn't really have any superhero Christians. We're weak, we're broken. We mess up often, and yet God says, hey, you, you guys, I want to use you in the earth. And so um, I want to encourage you, if you've missed anything, make sure that you catch up on YouTube. I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter 2 today, verse uh, 1, all the way through to verse 21. But before I get there, I want to just remind us what Jesus has been saying up to this point. He said something about this event that we're gonna be reading about today and uh, it was important that this event happened. But he's given us some insight before this. He spoke to his disciples in Acts chapter one, verse four and five. He said this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, the baptized, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he tells them to wait, because in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, he says a little bit more. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them to wait. He's going to pour out his spirit, and then he says, you're gonna have power to be my witnesses. Right. Where to? Just your little clan? No. To Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. And then we see the fulfillment in Acts chapter two, verse one to 17. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And then what's going to happen now is there's going to be a map that comes up on the screen as I read the next couple of verses, but I want you to see how, uh, where the people were from that were gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost because it's quite amazing. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) Hopefully none of you are in that state right now. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, this message could be for you too. Um, No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Just that far, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get into it. Father, I want to pray, Lord, that whether we've read this passage before or uh, it's the first time that we're reading this passage, Lord, that you would speak to us from it. Lord, that you would uh, take our hearts and shape our hearts by it. Lord, I want to pray today that everything that you're wanting to say to us and do in us, Uh, you would accomplish. Lord, we come before you, and we say, yeah, we are, use us. We ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. You know, at the beginning of the year, we have lots of desires, you know, Um, things like New Year's resolutions, things we want God to do, some of them very good things, not bad things in and of themselves, Uh, but I want to ask you, uh, when you think about the desires and you're saying, God, what is it, uh, won't you do this for me, won't you do that for me, is there a question in your prayer and you're asking God, God, what would you have me do for you? Because that's really critical. That's really critical that we're not just seeing God as somebody who's going to do stuff for us, but he is saying through this passage today, and we'll see as we go through it, that he's wanting us to do something for him. He's wanting to use our lives. We play a very small part, but we pray an important part. And it's just how God has set things up. And so we see in this passage that the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. And it's not just another day in the life of the Jesus story. This was a moment that Jesus had spoken about when he was uh, still with his disciples. He had said to them, it's better that I go. Because if I go, then I will send my spirit. And the things that I did, you would do greater things than, than that. And so the Spirit is poured out, and there are three things that I believe we need to take hold of today and that God wants us to see. First is that the the, the Spirit is promised, Spirit is necessary, and that the Spirit is for every single believer. Let's look at that first one. Spirit is promised. Peter says that Joel spoke about this. The prophet Joel prophesied about this day that we've just read about. But Jesus himself, as we've read, and I'll read some of those verses now again, he said this, he said this is the promised gift from my father. A gift from a father is a very special thing. A very special thing. And from a heavenly father, even more special. Jesus said this in Acts 1 verse 4, but wait for the gift my father promised. Luke 24 verse 49. He said it like this: "I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high." See, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit as being a gift promised by His Father, and so the Holy Spirit is a gift promised from the Father. Think about that for a moment. God, who never lies, makes a promise. He could have promised anything, but he promised the Holy Spirit. Promised the Holy Spirit, that God who is deliberate and intentional about everything that he does, intentionally asks or tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. They need to wait for the Holy Spirit. You have to realize just how important a promise this was. When you read the Old Testament, you see that there were only certain people that were allowed into the presence of God. Not everybody could just walk into God's presence. In fact, if you were not one of those people who would walk into the presence of God, you would die. But what God is saying here and what Jesus is saying is that he's going to pour out his presence in the form of the person of the Holy Spirit on his disciples so that they would know that God's presence is with them always. Always. And that not just his presence is with them, but his power to do the works of God is with them too. You see, the Bible speaks about it as a baptism or clothing or power coming upon. God wants us to know that he is with us. So God promises a gift. And when I read that, it made me think about uh, a gift that my dad promised me. Um, I was heading towards my 21st birthday. It was the January of that year. My dad came to me. He said, I want to buy you a gift. And he, uh, he didn't, I didn't ask him for the gift. He wanted to give me this gift. And so over the course of the next six months, he would bring catalogs home. And he would say, you know, just kind of tick the ones that you think you would really like. And when it gets to your birthday, I'm going to give you that gift. And so we got uh, to my birthday and it was a bit of a wait, you know. It's, quite, it's, it's not so cool to have to wait from January uh, knowing what your gift is all the way until June. But the day of getting my gift came. You know what the gift was? It wasn't a car, no. <laughs> it would have been nice. It was a watch. But that was incredible for me because that was the kind of gifts that dads would give in those days. Um, but it was a watch. And when my dad gave me the watch... He said this to me, and it's not this watch that I'm wearing, but he said, Vaughn, when you look at that watch, I want you to remember that I love you. So. Then he said, and Vaughn, I want you to remember too that time is precious. So. I want you to uh, remember that it's important to make the most of time that you spend with people. So. I think maybe my dad said that because my mom had passed away two years earlier. But you see, for my dad, the gift was not just there to tell the time. There was a greater purpose for my dad in giving that gift. He wanted me to know that when I looked at it, he loved me. And that life, uh, that time is precious and I need to make the most of it. Not for my own sake, for the sake of people. And so, um, kind of lost myself now. Jesus also made, uh, God also made a promise. And he promised that he would send his Holy Spirit and he promised it because it was necessary. There was a purpose behind him sending his spirit. And that takes me to my second, uh, second point. It's necessary. How many of you know that God doesn't just uh, somehow make promises? He doesn't make promises just for funsies so that we can have you know, a whole lot of fun. He makes promises because he's intentional about uh, what uh, he is promising. He was saying to his disciples, listen, guys, I want you to be alerted to this. The Holy Spirit is coming, and you need to be expectant for it. That's the first thing that he was saying. He was saying that this is really important. I want to give you my spirit, but I want you to be recipients of the power of the spirit. It was so necessary and so important that he tells them to wait for it. It was so important to Jesus that this wasn't just an optional extra in his mind. This was a necessity. He said to his disciples, wait. Wait for my spirit. And so it was a necessity. It's important to note Jesus' heart in all of this, though. Why? What is his heart behind wanting to give us his spirit? Well, Acts chapter 1 tells us very well. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus' heart is for people, people who are far from him, people that have never experienced his love, his salvation, his forgiveness. Jesus' heart is for people like you and me, people like us who were far from him and he knew that he would send others into the earth to cross our paths so that we could hear the message of Jesus and be saved. Jesus' heart is for people just like you and me, people who were far from from Jesus at one point in time. Jesus says, wait, because it's important. He's wanting his disciples to recognize that they're not just called to be followers. They're called to be witnesses. It's both and. We follow, and as we go, we tell Jesus other people about who Jesus is. So we're followers and we're witnesses. Why? Because we've received a great mercy, a great love, a great salvation, a great savior, a great friend, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the ruler of the whole universe. We have received him. And he wants us to bring that hope, that uh, love, that forgiveness, that mercy that Jesus has shown us to those around us. Every day, if if we can, but he wants us to be, our eyes to be open to the fact that he's um, put us in people's lives so that other people can also come to know Jesus. This great, great mercy. These guys became carriers of the hope of Jesus to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But for that, they needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit too. Throughout the Old Testament, you see, you see that um, God would come upon people for specific tasks. And so uh, the Spirit of God would come on them, and you would find uh, David being anointed to be king. Bezaleel was an artist. He was uh, anointed to, for artistic work. Gideon for a leader, to be a leader. Samson for strength. Um, the Spirit of God would come upon people for a specific task. That was the Old Testament. When you get to the New Testament, the greatest uh, person to look at in terms of the Spirit coming upon them is Jesus himself. Jesus himself, he's baptized by John and as he is baptized, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. And a couple of chapters after that, you uh, read him reading from the scroll in Isaiah. Uh, Yeah, in Isaiah. And he reads this and it's found in Luke chapter four, verse 18. But if you had a look at it in Isaiah, you'd find in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus needed the Spirit of God upon him to be able to proclaim freedom to the captives, good news to the poor. David needed the Spirit of God upon him to be the king that God wanted him to be. And we need the Spirit of God upon us because he's called us to be witnesses. And that's really exciting. can be a little bit daunting. I won't lie. can be a bit daunting. But when God sends us to others in our lives, and we see those people coming to know Jesus. It's the most amazing thing. You want to experience a joy like you've never felt joy before, is when you see somebody that you love surrendering their life to Jesus, just because you took the time to share Jesus with them in whatever circumstance they found themselves in. So the Spirit wasn't just promised, but the Spirit was necessary. Next point: the Spirit is for every single believer. No longer was it just for a David or just for a Gideon. No, it's for every uh, believer in Jesus. Acts 2 verse 4 says it like this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Hope you notice the word all. All were filled. Peter takes the same line of thought and he says, listen guys, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And then he explains it from verse 17 in Acts chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. God will pour out his spirit on all people, all believers. Men, women, young, old, servants, everyone who has put their faith in Jesus, a follower of Him, the Spirit is for you and for me. I want you to notice some words in that passage that I just read now too. It says, in the last days. It doesn't say on a last day. It doesn't say for a period of the last days. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. What does that last days mean? It's the days between the day that Jesus ascended into heaven and the day that he will return. Know what that means? That's these days. It's these days that God wants to pour out his spirit on you and on me because he's wanting us to be mouthpieces for him in the world that we live in. He's wanting to give us the boldness that we require. But you know what the real thing is? We can't change people's hearts. We can do nothing to save them except uh, share the good news of Jesus. But as we share that good news, the Holy Spirit begins to make Jesus real in their hearts so that they can respond. He begins to awaken uh, this heart that is so dead, awaken it to the goodness of Jesus. And so we need the Spirit of God in order to be w- witnesses. And just in case, just in case we thought, no, you know, we're going we're to get involved with some other things over here. God didn't want us to be distracted in this passage in, in Joel Right at the end, he links it very specifically again these last days and this pouring out of his spirit to this verse. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. Can you see again that it's for witness? It's so that people can be saved. God's heart is beating for people who need to be saved. You might be far from God today. God is saying even through this verse, if you call on his name, you will be saved. Even as he's speaking to us as believers to say go, he's speaking to you to say that he loves you so much that he would call his people to this very task to bring the good news to you. So he pours it out on all flesh. I think he says, I'll pour it out on all flesh because he's wanting all believers to be witnesses for him. If I look at the Old Testament, artist for God's artistic work. I believe he wants us to be witnesses for him. In our own way, in an uncomplicated way, it's as we run into people every single day, we see what their need is, maybe we pray for them, we tell them how Jesus helped us do that. Would you uh, uh, like to know a little bit more about who this Jesus is? I'd love to. And so it goes. It's not weird. It's not standing up at work. Uh, at at, at lunchtime and beginning to just preach, it's sharing Jesus with the ones and twos that you engage with every single day. The other might happen for some of us. If it does, all good. Um, So God wants to use every single one of us. Can I say this? You would have noticed that I haven't actually spoken about the events that we read about in Acts. I haven't spoken about the specifics or the how-to's and I've done that deliberately because I felt God is saying sometimes we can get so caught up over here talking about is it tongues? Isn't, t- isn't it tongues? Is it for today? Isn't it for today? Am I holy enough to receive this? Am I not holy enough to receive this? And God is saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. Those things aren't unimportant. But c- can you guys just uh, see that it's about being a voice piece and a mouthpiece for me, about being a witness And so that's why I haven't touched on all of those practicalities, but there are some things that I want to just quickly say uh, that are noticed in the text. Let me just say this too. We will speak about some of those practicalities in coming, month, in coming weeks. We will speak more detail into the, the sermon that Peter preached. We'll talk about tongues. We'll talk about prophecy. Um, you'll get more of an understanding from that. We will run an initiative called Get Filled, which would be great for you to come to if you have more questions. Um, but like I say, I feel like God wants us to get his heart this morning. He wants us to get his heart so that we don't miss that as we're trying to understand all of this. He wants us to get his heart that he loves people. And for those of us that are saved, he loved us to make a plan for us. He sent his son first of all And then he sent different people into our life. And for every single one of us, that is different. Or he drew us to come to a church building where we would hear the message preached. But he made a plan. How can we not take the good news of Jesus to those around us? Some things that I just noticed from the text. First one, tongues of fire appear on their head. You don't read that again in in, in scripture. And I haven't heard of that again, but it may have happened in years after this. But what was that really symbolizing? God's presence with each one. And that's really what we spoke about a little bit earlier. But it was the presence of God on each person, not just a select few. Not just Peter, who would preach a little bit later. Because we can get like that, you know. That's only for Vaughan and James and Simon. No, it's for every single one of us that God wants to empower us next thing i spotted in this passage is that the holy spirit will always glorify jesus never man it says that they declared the wonders of god in the languages of these people that were gathered when the holy spirit is at work uh, we can expect to see some miracles and we see that yeah there were probably a number i want to focus on two the first is what i would just simply call a lesser miracle if there is something like that and then the greatest miracle of all The lesser miracle, these guys have the Holy Spirit come upon them. They begin to speak in tongues. In this instance, it wasn't a heavenly tongue that needs an interpretation. And we'll talk more about that in coming weeks. This was a tongue, a language, a human language that these disciples had never, ever learned. But they were speaking. They were speaking. And those who were gathered in Jerusalem, Jews from all over, were gathered there for Pentecost. It was a harvest festival celebrated 50 days after Passover. They gathered there, and this is how God chooses to come upon his people. Comes upon his people in power. They begin to speak in these languages that they've never learned. And the guys that are listening say, they're proclaiming the goodness and the wonders of God. A miracle. But it once again points to the fact that God empowers us for witness. What was God doing? He was making himself known through the mouths of his people. Yeah. And so that's the first miracle. The second miracle, I think the greatest miracle of all, is that Peter explains what's happening here. It says it's, uh, this is what was prophesied by, by Joel. And then he goes on to preach Jesus. That Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus died for men and women's sin, that he was resurrected, that he's gone back to the Father, and 3,000 people are saved on one day. 3,000 people saved on one day. What is God saying? This is for people. My message is for people. People from all of those nations that we saw on, on on the screen behind me earlier on. For people all over the world. Nobody excluded. Jesus wants everybody to hear this message. Some of us will be called to the poorest of the poor. Some of us will be called uh, into into the spaces of business and CEOs because that's where God's uh, placed us. But can I tell you something? God wants to use us in all of those those spaces and those places. So two miracles that we saw with the Holy Spirit at work. Um. We see here too that the Holy Spirit's at work. Yeah, we see there's this miracle of tongues speaking a language uh, that they'd never ever learnt. Other places, healing, prophecy. But when those things happen, it normally results in amazement and awe. The Holy Spirit causes men and women's hearts to look at God in a new way, in amazement and in awe. He takes the attention of their hearts and he puts it on Jesus but then the Holy Spirit uses the message of the gospel that is preached by Peter to save those people. It's both. It's the power of the gospel that saves. It's the Holy Spirit taking that message and making it real in people's hearts, but it's sometimes the other miracles that also point people to Jesus, but it doesn't save them. The gospel and that message saves them. Not all were amazed. Some people joked, made fun of them, said these guys are drunk. We've got to be up for that. If we are going to tell people about Jesus, not everybody is going to get it. Not everybody is going to respond positively. But can I say, when I look at this passage, I think if we were to, to open our mouths and tell those around us that we love so deeply who don't know Jesus about him, I would hazard a guess that we would see more people saved than we care to uh, realize. Why? Because I see it here, 3,000 on one day. I wonder if we had to take that step and proclaim Jesus. I think there's a high probability that our friends, our family, our colleagues will come to know Jesus if we will tell them about him. I think sometimes people are more ready than we realize. See, God intentionally causes the lives of His people to cross paths with the lives of people who are far from Him. That's how God works. Right here, His people have the Holy Spirit come upon them, but their lives cross paths with a whole lot of Jews that have gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And as their lives cross paths, the good news of Jesus is shared and many come to salvation. In our lives, We cross paths with people in our shopping malls, in our workplaces, when we play soccer, rugby, golf. Um, That is where our lives cross paths with people who are sometimes very far from God, who He is wanting to save. Jesus said it like this, the fields, they ripe for harvest. They were ripe here in Acts and they're ripe in our day too. I don't think it's by any chance That uh, so many people got saved on what was a harvest festival. Just another clue of what God wants to do when He pours out His Spirit on you and on me. I want to finish off with a story this morning. And uh, I read a book over the over the holidays. It's called "Out of the Salt Shaker into the World." great book. It's by a lady called Rebecca Pippet or something like that, uh, but just search it on Google. If you want to read it, it's really a great book to just help you kind of communicate your faith um, to others. But she tells a story in this book. She said she'd moved to a new town. She had a friend in that town, so she phones this friend and she says, hey, can you recommend uh, a salon where I can go to for my hair? Friend recommends a place. She goes there, and uh, when she gets there, there's a lady called Meg ready to, uh, to meet her, Um, Lots of hairstylists, but Meg is the one who she gets on that day. And, you know, first time they've met, so tell me about yourself, your family, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Have you got any children? And kind of in passing, Meg says, my brother's a Christian. And so uh, Becky, uh, they call her, not Rebecca, in the book. Becky says to her, well, you know, maybe he's read some of the things that I have written. Uh, You should ask him. That's the end of day one at the salon. Months later or two months later, she's back at the salon to have her hair done. And uh, this uh, lady, Meg, the hairstylist says to her, you know, my brother said that was the most amazing book that he has ever read. And you can't believe that I've actually got to meet you. Day two finished. Comes back for day three. Another month later, she's paying at the toll. And one of the other hairstylists says to Meg, Meg, kind of nudges her, Meg, Did you tell her? Did you tell her? And Becky says, tell me, tell me what? She says, well, actually, I didn't want you to feel under any pressure or anything like that. I didn't want uh, you to feel like you backed up into a corner. But when I told my my brother about uh, your book and asked about you, he said that was a book that changed his life. And he remembers uh, thinking to, to himself, I I so hope my sister can come to meet somebody like the person that wrote this book. And then she says, and actually my brother told me that he got down on his knees and he said, Lord, please send my sister somebody like Becky. Now she wasn't even asking for Becky, but that's how amazing God is. He can actually send Becky if he wants to. But Becky walked away from that, and she said, God, how is it that you work? I was just looking for a hairstylist. When I arrived there, I could have got any hairstylist. Why did she talk to me about her brother, and he's read a book that I've written? God, you're working behind the scene. Why? Because the fields are ripe unto harvest. I want to say to you today, the fields are ripe unto harvest in the people in your life. Don't be surprised that God has been working behind the scenes that the day when you open your mouth to tell them about Jesus, they're ready to receive. Everybody might not on that day. It might be the first step in a journey. Next step might be you invite them to church or city group. But the fact of the matter is people may be more ready than you realize. The fields are ripe unto harvest. God's given us everything we need. He's given us the message. He's given us his spirit so that we can be witnesses that will tell others about him. And as I said, sometimes we think we've got to stand up and preach to tell others about Jesus. No. It's the being real in those difficult times in other people's life, loving them, and as you love them, pointing them to Jesus. Sometimes it's going to be a once off meeting somebody in desperation and you'll be able to you don't get to know them too long but you get to tell them about the greatest news of all and so I want to encourage you today even as I encourage myself to be a people who want the power of the spirit not for funsies for witness for witness because God is desperate to save people and he wants to use people like you and me the band's going to come up I'm going to ask you to bow your heads close your eyes God's been speaking this morning. Even as we sung sung those songs today, He is the name above every other name. There's no name like Him. His lightness stepped into our darkness. We've received great love, mercy, forgiveness. Jesus wants us to bring that great love, mercy, and forgiveness to those around us. We can't do it in our own strength we need the power of the spirit. So my request to you today and my encouragement to you today is to ask Jesus for the power of the spirit. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit the Bible says. Ask him for the power of the spirit upon your life and then trust him when you open your mouth to tell others about Jesus. See what he doesn't do. Don't have to have your formula all right. There is no formula. You need to love Jesus, pass on the message. That's the first group of people. Second group of people, is people that uh, you are far from God. Never put your faith in him. Jesus has been saying throughout this message, he died for people like, like you. In fact, I was a person like you every single person in this room that has put their faith in Jesus was a person like you, far from God and then he brought us near, saved us. Today's your opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to know everything. You need to just respond to the love that you uh, know right now. Repent of your sin. Ask him to forgive it and ask him to help you to live out the life that he wants you to live. We're going to sing a song in a couple of moments. It's a response song. It's a song where we can really just say, Lord, I want your spirit upon my life because I want to take you to the nations. For some of you that haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a great opportunity for you to say, Lord, I need your spirit. And then I want to invite you afterwards, if you're wanting some prayer so that we can uh, put hands on you and pray for you, we'll be down at the front. But let's worship Jesus for saving us, and let him, let's allow Him to do something in our hearts to see that He wants to save others. Thanks, Ben.